interesting topics to kick off your weekend. Looking at the news with an eye of faith. This is Friendly Fire with Stu Kearns on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Good Saturday morning. It's a Friendly Fire Saturday. Stu Kearns, your host. Glad to have you along. I've uh, been gone a little bit lately, but it's good to be back. Uh, last week, I was down in at Birmingham, Alabama. Yes, Alabama, and uh, the, for the national meetings of our denomination. And uh, boy, there is nothing more exciting than uh, 2,500 men in a room doing Robert's Rules of Order. That is, that is uh, dripping with sarcasm, by the way. That is not what I got. I went to seminary and became a pastor to do, sit with 2,500 people in a room observing Robert's Rules. But you got to do it once a year, and so I did it. I have paid my debt to society, and now I'm back doing what I really enjoy, which is not only being a pastor, but hosting this program. And uh, again, thanks to Dan Alberts for hosting a couple of weeks there. Uh, while I was uh, on that trip, I was actually returning from the trip. Uh, I was uh, actually in the northeast corner of Mississippi, pulling my trailer back home, and uh I was listening to the radio, and all of a sudden it was announced uh, that Roe versus Wade had been overturned by the court. Not just this one case in Mississippi, but uh, the opinion from 1973 was actually reversed by the court, depending on how you look at it, uh, 5-4 or 6-3, related to uh, the the situation in in Mississippi. Um, For many of the young people in our community, We have never lived in a post-Roe v. Wade uh, society, and uh, I'm old enough to have done that, uh, but uh, for for me, I happen to be a Christian who uh, uh, believes, again, that life begins in the womb, and and so this is something I and many others have been praying for for a really long time. Uh, But uh, I know that also, uh, listening to, to the radio, it was quite painfully obvious that there were a lot of people who were very angry who are very fearful, and uh, they're, they're wondering what their options are in a post-Roe v. Wade uh, society. And so uh, it occurred to me that uh, rather than digging into all the nuts and bolts of the legalities and the, the details of what could or should or might happen in various states, by the way, just one little factoid, don't forget, Roe v. Wade does not establish a rule for the, the nation it allows states to establish what they deem as appropriate. So, so no one has uh, outlawed uh, abortion. Uh, actually, the court just gave it back to the states and said the states. This is a states' rights uh, decision. And uh, so, w- as I was thinking about that, I just thought again. I try to be positive on this program. I try to to look at the bright side. I'm a natural born optimist, and I just thought I need to get. Uh, Pat McCarthy here from the Pregnancy Center to talk about the, the ministry there. And he is here uh, with his uh, partner in life and partner in ministry, uh, Kim. And so I'm just so grateful today to have uh, Pat and Kim McCarthy here in the studio. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having us. Thank you, Stu. Appreciate it. Yeah. How long have you guys, uh, well, been married and been doing this together? I forgot how long we've been married. <laughs> no. I haven't. No. I can't forget. 37 years. Yeah. 37 no, large. Yeah. 37. And about 20 years in the ministry now. Mm. We, were, we were in other ministries before that, but 20 years in the in the pregnancy center ministry. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we're 
I guess we would be called lifers too when it comes to this civil situation. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. There and uh, Kim, what's your role then in the uh, in the ministry? So I uh, am the director of the client services. So I mm-hmm. take care of all the services that happen there. Take care of staff and volunteers that yeah. help us. Yeah. yeah. Now I'm going to assume that you guys are roughly my age, maybe a little younger. I'm going to say younger. Mm. <laughs> yeah. That's always a good thing to say, <laughs> yeah, right? always a good thing to <laughs> I'll say. take that one. That's right. Especially on Saturday morning, right? <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, we, we all haven't had our coffee yet, so we're kind of still getting it, getting it together. But um, just to begin to get into the topic a little bit, where were you uh, that Friday, and what were some of your first reactions when you heard uh, the court's uh, ruling? I was busy, so I'm going to let you go first, because I heard it from you. What did you think, Kim? I kind of had a feeling that that's probably what was going to happen. When mm-hmm. you look at how the whole um, abortion law was put into place, we we always have known that it was never really the right ruling from the Supreme Court back in 73. Because if you look at the history, it's it's really based on lies, for one. And mm-hmm. um, they they should have never said that there was a right to an abortion. So... We were very optimistic that this was going to happen, uh, and so we were celebrating. I actually was in, I was getting ready for work when that happened, and mm-hmm. I was at home, but we had a pre-celebration the night before thinking it was going to happen. We all got together as a team mm-hmm. and uh, celebrated what we thought would happen the very next day, and it did happen. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. And there, and, and and you heard it from your wife. And what was your first reaction, Pat? Well, I think I'd, my first reaction was I was I was happy that they were not um, swayed to make a different decision. Um, I know with all the conflict that was going on, um, you know, there's th- kind of things that we don't get involved in in terms of protests and legislation and, and things like that. That's just not what we do. And so I was hoping that they would be willing to take a look at this decision. And and I thought about Norma McCorvey. I mean, she was here in Lincoln at one time, and we had a chance to meet her, and she was Jane Roe. And, um, you know, it was obvious that, that they fabricated her story. You know, her mm. story wasn't true. And, 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 and to think that um, it would have been nice for her to be alive to see this because she had recanted and come turned full circle and and actually was working on the um on the life side of this issue to try to get this thing overturned to get people to understand that she was used in that process and and that that it was a basically a a false uh um thing that they put up to get the ruling for mm-hmm. Roe versus Wade. Now that's by the way I, I I remember when that happened I don't remember how long ago it was was it 10 or 12 years ago or something or that 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 she came? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, and she came she spoke out at the governor's mansion and um she spoke uh for us and she also spoke for uh I think it would have been Nebraska Family Alliance mm-hmm. then. Mm-hmm. And you know Norma was a um she was just a young person that was really taken advantage of at that point in time. Mm-hmm. And um, and so and you could see over the years how this really um, it really bothered her. Yeah, you know? it's an amazing thing. Again, the the actual Jane Roe of mm-hmm. the decision mm-hmm. uh, did a complete turnaround. Uh, and now, if I so we're all old enough to kind of remember the '70s and some of the original rhetoric that that went down at that time. And I remember two things. There were one was uh, the, the old phrase blob of tissue. Mm-hmm. And of course, mm-hmm. uh, we didn't have the technologies we have back then. Now we know that that's just not at all the case. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, uh, the other one, I remember one of the catchphrases from the pro-life community was it's a child, not a choice. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, one of the things I found shocking uh, for the last couple of weeks is that 
there has been no discussion of there being two people in this in in this situation. It's always about women's health care, with uh, mm -hmm. just kind of a, a a shocking lack of of mm -hmm. of uh, even noting the fact that there is a separate entity mm -hmm. involved in in this particular uh, procedure. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, right. Right. Is that uh, is that new? Is that it seems like that's been kind of uh, you know the the pro life movement and the uh, uh, pro-choice movement have been kind of evolving over the years and it yes. seems like that's a new kind of way of thinking about it not even mentioning that there there's another even in the most generous way saying another potential life right uh in right. this whole scenario right well um the way i've looked at it is um well first of all i just want to say with this ruling that's been overturned as we celebrated i will say there was also a sense of somewhat also concern and sadness for the other side of this because there are women who still believe that this is their their right and when you see how angry and upset they are it's um you know you're you feel sad for them you do mm -hmm. I, I i feel for them and we want to educate them so that they can understand the truth uh, that is that is what we're all about is sharing the truth and love with our clients and then you also have to think about all the women who have had abortions in their past. Yes. This probably did trigger a lot of women and thinking, oh, my goodness, what did I do? Why did you know what happened? Now this mm -hmm. is overturned. And so there's a lot of triggers going on right yeah. now for post-abortive women and men, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. So I just want to make sure, you know, that, um, yeah, that we know that, yes, yeah, as, as we celebrate, we still are still what's sad about sometimes what else goes on. Yeah. And um, so, so it has evolved because it used to be it was a blob of tissue and it wasn't science, like it was a life. Now that they know that it's a life because science has backed that, now it's, well, you're more important mm -hmm. than this baby that's inside of you. Mm -hmm. And I've, I've heard people say things of that nature. Yeah. And so that is the mentality is, and that is what Roe did, is it said no matter what situation you're in well actually dope versus bolton did this say whatever situation you're in that would be a good enough reason to go ahead and have an abortion and so this generation these last couple ones have said i can't afford it wrong guy uh my mom will kill me uh you know all the different scenarios that occur happen mm -hmm. and they say their life is more important than the life of that baby that she's carrying inside mm -hmm. of her yeah. and the bottom line is they can't refute the evidence anymore Mm -hmm. So they, mm -hmm. they now, instead of calling it a blob of tissue or anything else, they just totally dismiss it because the evidence is so clear mm -hmm. <laughs> what this is, mm -hmm. you know. And so, um, you know, it is a life and it's a separate life and it's, it's, it's being terminated. Mm -hmm. And so. Mm -hmm. And a vulnerable life. Mm -hmm. yes. uh, we're going to take our first break. Mm -hmm. Then when we come back, uh, we're going to, again, uh, I think we needed to set the table. So I thank you for that. And then I want to, I want to transition into, again, the whole purpose of the pregnancy center and, uh, and, and what your ministry is and how it works. And, um, because I think we need to, there is a watching world who's saying, Hey, so mm -hmm. do you really care about that mother? Do you love that mother? Mm -hmm. Do you, do you, do you care about the baby only, or do you care about the mother as well? Mm -hmm. And that's, that's one of the reasons why the pregnancy center in so many places uh, exist, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's Absolutely. Talk, let's talk about it. We're mm -hmm. going to take a little break here. It's a Saturday morning. Uh, Stu Kearns uh, talking with Pat and Kim McCarthy here uh, from the Pregnancy Center. And you are listening to Friendly Fire on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Keeping the topics lively 
The conversation civil. This is Friendly Fire with Stu Kurds on the Voice of Lincoln, fourteen hundred and ninety nine three KLIN. We are back. It's a Friendly Fire Saturday, talking with uh, Pat and Kim McCarthy of the Pregnancy Center, and I mean we all have our own personal experiences and history and so forth, and and frustrations. I think you mentioned before the break. I think as a pastor, again, I think of people who. Uh, uh, who have made decisions uh, uh, for abortion that they may regret and uh, or they feel guilty about. And, and I'm in the business of letting people know that there's an answer to guilt, and it's called the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we want to, in fact, uh, two of the most notable uh, uh, people in all of the Bible, uh, Moses and King David, uh, were murderers. Uh, so even if we, uh, no, no matter how we want to view this, uh, we would say that the the forgiveness of God in Christ is available to everyone. No one has crossed the line uh, to where they can't be right with God and they and they can't be forgiven. One of the things that I've uh, I've noticed is that um, over the years, if if I as a pro life person refer to pro choice people as baby killers, or if the pro choice person refers to me as well, you just want to dominate women and you know, and uphold the white patriarchy and and blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. If those are the starting points, it's kind of hard to it's kind of hard to get anywhere in this conversation. Mm-hmm. And your in in your work, this is what you do from the very beginning is to try to to put forward some positive middle ground to say no, I'm safe. Mm-hmm. We can we can we can talk. How do you, how do you for both of you? Um, how, how do you do that? Uh, provide an environment where, as as women come in from the very beginning, they get a sense that this is actually a safe place. Mm-hmm. That's a great question. Um, I think uh, building trust and a rapport and a relationship with these clients is of the utmost importance. I think also because our focus is more for the woman uh, instead of just the baby, they know that. So when they walk in and we're working with them and we're helping them, we are talking about her as a whole person, her, her emotional state, her physical state, her spiritual state. Those are all different parts of that woman. And uh, we do talk about the baby, but we focus on the woman first. Because if you don't love her and if you don't build that relationship with her, you, you know, you, it, it's, it's not going to happen. And so we do that because we do genuinely care as believers and Christians, we we know that we are to love, right? And our motto is to tell her the truth in love. Mm-hmm. And we share truth with her, but we do it in a very gentle way that is non-judgmental. I mean, we have cases, all kinds of cases uh, that we're dealing with. Uh, four heavy ones just yesterday. Uh, you know, drugs and alcohol, um, abuse. There's just so many different lifestyles that we encounter Mm -hmm. but we see them i always like to tell my people when i train them we try to see them through the eyes of god that what how they their potential what they can be Mm -hmm. and that this baby and this crisis pregnancy if you want to call it that is not their Mm -hmm. defining that doesn't define who they are and then we ask permission to talk about spiritual things. Mm-hmm. And if they want to talk about that, we are ready and willing to do that because we know that their life can be changed. Yeah. I think I think 20 years ago, Stu, we had um, 
we had uh, come into this ministry and we noticed it was real baby focused. And so our goal was right away to try to change that paradigm because as I looked at statistics and I'm the, I'm the kind of fundraising statistics guy at the, at the pregnancy center, I, I don't do the direct ministry to the women that come in there. We have 17 staff members and they're all women. And, um, you know, so that's their calling to be there. But as we saw this, that not every girl that came to us was pregnant. And so, you know, for us to just be so focused on the baby when a good majority of the girls that came in there thought they were pregnant, but they weren't, you know, it kind of put a barrier between us and them. So they really, we really thought, you know, we need to change this paradigm, become more pro-grace and be more woman focused so that we can really minister to her first because the baby's not here yet. You know, we can't minister to this baby. We can't just be talking all about a baby right away because we just have her right now to, to deal with. And so... Um, our clients, we've changed that paradigm to where the clients love on them. You come into the pregnancy center, you won't see pictures of babies all over the place. You won't see pictures of moms and babies. You know, it's pretty uh, um, it's pretty neutral what we have in there because, once again, we don't want to create that barrier between us and the person that comes in there. Now that's uh, How did you uh, come about that? Because I think, again, when you say it, it's like, well, that makes perfect sense. But obviously, a lot of people haven't picked up on that, and you had to kind of wake up to that. What were okay. some of the factors for both of you that said, wait a minute, I, I, I think we can do this a better way? Well, for me first, and I'll let, I'll let Kim share, but for me first, it was the whole marketing aspect of it. You know, we're here we are trying to market for our clients, and our logo is a, is a silhouette of a woman, a pregnant woman. Well, right away, we've already put up a barrier between, you know, some of the women that would come in there. They don't want to see themselves as pregnant. They don't want to even think about it. They're scared about it. They don't want to be pregnant. And mm-hmm. so that's that already started a barrier. Our name was the Lincoln Crisis Pregnancy Center, and we had that change too because um, if you were a young woman, would you rather come to the crisis place or the planned place? You know, which one sounds more welcoming? Which one more, sounds more helpful? Well, yeah, gr- granted they were in crisis, and, it's, and as Kim explained earlier, there's some pretty heavy-duty mm-hmm. situations that we see, but we mm-hmm. want them to say, okay, um, this place looks like a place that I want to come to, and that's why we, you know, we, we changed all that, all that baby-focused. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. What's your thought? I, I, think, I think it's just very logical that if our goal and the reason we exist is to help the women that are seeking abortion, it makes perfect sense to uh, not have all those things around because you're going to deter that woman who is abortion minded to come into your doors. Mm -hmm. And we knew that that was our audience. We knew that was our focus is to educate those women so that they can make an informed decision. Um, Let's face it. Education and knowledge is power. And some of these girls are just, they're thinking right off the bat, okay, abortion is my first answer. And they Mm -hmm. don't take the time to have somebody go through the options with them. And so we go through all the options with them so they have all the information they need and then they can make that informed decision. So nobody, you know, lately, you know, since Roe versus Wade overturned, I'm hearing, well, they're forcing women to have babies and they're, you know, twisting their arms to do this. And that is not the case. That is, that is absolutely not true. Uh, we, uh, we respect every woman if they do choose abortion and some of them do we tell them we are here for you we will welcome you back with open arms some of them come back Mm -hmm. we have a lot of women that Mm -hmm. come back who chose abortion the first time 
Mm. And they trust us. That's mm-hmm. they, otherwise they wouldn't come back, right? Yeah, yeah. So we have shown love to them, and they know that. So. That's you know that I mm. I know you tell people this all the time, but the people need to hear that mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. there there is mm-hmm. this fear, mm-hmm. and I think and let's face it, I'm a pastor. A lot of churches have fed into this stereotype that Christians are just wagging their finger at everybody who's yeah. who's a bad person, yeah. and that we take some kind of pleasure and joy and mm-hmm. and just pointing out how bad everyone else is. And, uh, and again, if that's what the church is, then I don't want to be a pastor. Uh, the church has to be a place of, of grace for people who are broken and needy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you guys kind of embody that. that. That is our whole approach is the pro-grace approach. We, there's some things that on both sides, you know, that we don't agree with. And, uh, you know, we, we just want to make sure that we're with that girl, knowing that she's thinking that's her option. And we can talk about that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, th- the beautiful thing is, is since we do ultrasounds at our um, center, 85% of the time they will choose life when they mm. see the reality that this is a baby. Mm. Because let's face it, when you're young, if you can't see it, touch it or feel it, it doesn't exist for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they've also been caught up in the lie. If you just take a pill, everything will go away. Just like mm-hmm. you take a Tylenol for a headache. They think the abortion pill is the easy way out. And I can tell you, for anybody listening, it is not the easy way out. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is actually probably worse mm-hmm. than a surgical abortion. Wow. So, uh, But easy access to that, mm-hmm. um, although you can't do it in Nebraska. So I, I would love to talk about that, too, because, yeah, yeah. you know, where we are as a state. So we'll yeah. take our second break here. Then when we yeah. come back. Let's yeah. dig into that a little bit more, because I know that was kind of a game changer years ago was the whole idea of ultrasounds being more widely available. It's a Friendly Fire Saturday, talking with Pat and Kim McCarthy here uh, from the Pregnancy Center. So glad to have you along. Freshen up the coffee. Uh, it's a hard conversation, but I think, I think it's a grace-filled conversation and a hopeful conversation, and that's what we want to do this morning. We want to talk about positive solutions, and the Pregnancy Center is leading the way with, with a lot of other groups out there, but uh, in my history, again, they're leading the way in terms of, uh, of being grace-oriented in the way that they... Uh, serve women in this community. It's a Friendly Fire Saturday here on The Voice of Lincoln, 1499 KLIN. Interesting topics to kick off your weekend. Looking at the news with an eye of faith. Friendly Fire with Stu Kearns, 1499 KLIN. We are back. It's a Friendly Fire Saturday talking with Pat and Kim McCarthy here from the Pregnancy Center. And just before the break, you were talking about the impact of ultrasound. And I, I think I remember when, when that really wasn't even available. And then it was, I don't know how many years ago that that became available and, and, and why that has become a game changer. Well, I think it just is every, every girl that comes in there that is pregnant, it gives them the total information because we can, we can educate them in terms of what's happening, the processes that they're going through, being pregnant and things like that, but to actually show them um, what's going on, it really, it makes it real. It makes mm. it, as Kim said earlier, you know, if they can't touch it or see it or feel it, it's not real. Well, this makes it real for them. And so mm. um, for us, it's not a coercive technique. It's like, you know what, we want to give you all the information about what's happening to you. Mm. And here it is. Here it is on the screen. This is all the information that we've shared with you ahead of time. And now we give you this free ultrasound. And, um, you know, it just makes things clearer for them. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of, 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 so what does it cost a woman? A woman says, hey, I'm going to go to the pregnancy center. I'm going to get some help. What, what, what are the costs that she's going to incur? There's no cost to her at all. 
None. Uh, Zero. Could you repeat that, please? Yes, zero. (laughs) So in other words, I'll just put it this way. We do not benefit from the Mm -hmm. client's decision. Yeah. And that to me is a beautiful thing Mm -hmm. that no matter what choice she makes, we, you know, we are not going to financially benefit from that. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. That's a the, and that's why we need a guy who crunches numbers and does <laughs> yeah. and, 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 uh, raises funds. Uh, right. uh, now, I know this is the decision's only been out for a couple of weeks, and we really don't nothing has actually changed right. in the state of Nebraska yet. Right. But have you seen a any increased bump in in uh, uh, contacts with you and interest and and uh, women who are are uh, wondering what their options are? Well, I mean, first of all, right here in Lincoln. Um, the, uh, you know, as we talked earlier about, um, you know, trying to reach our clients, it, it is kind of, you put it in a sales or a business sense, you know, we are competing with the abortion providers for the women who think they may be pregnant here in Lincoln. And so that's why our, our marketing and everything else needs to really try to reach them and not repel them. Um, but the, the abortion clinic here in, in Lincoln doesn't have a doctor right now either. And so that just happened. And so right, it, it's strange that it ha- happened right before this decision. But, mm. you know, I can see, you know, I can see how God is moving in certain areas and how he's He's kind of arranging things. But I think I've, we have seen in the past, even the past year, but probably more so in the past week or so, more abortion-minded, you know, serious cases of clients. Mm. Is that true, Kim? Absolutely. Absolutely. We rate them on a scale just from their circumstances and we've we are getting a lot of them and that's that's what we want though we want those women to come to us first Mm -hmm. so that they can hear the truth see the truth um and then if they still choose to do that decision um you know they have other options but we we definitely do not refer for abortion i want to make that clear we don't refer or recommend uh, recommend anybody to do that i've talked to many women i've seen the pain and the suffering mm-hmm. that have occurred to women from that mm-hmm. choice. And I will do everything I can to help that woman choose a different option. Yeah. And just as you talked about Moses and, um, and David earlier, mm-hmm. I, every time I speak in a church and I, I start to bring up, talk about anything that we do, I realize that there may be women in that church mm-hmm. that have yeah. gone down this road. Mm-hmm. And I explained to them that I just want you to know from the start, um, abortion is not the unpardonable sin. There's only one unpardonable sins, and that's and that's rejection of Christ. Mm-hmm. And so I want them to understand that I'm not there to condemn the people that are there that have gone down this road, because mm-hmm. quite a few people have. I want them to know that, heck, you're forgiven. This isn't unpardonable. So Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned in the earlier segment, I just want to emphasize this point, that the, the introduction of the ultrasound, mm-hmm. was that a local statistic or a national t- statistic that you said like 85% of the women who do see an ultrasound say, hey, mm-hmm. I don't think I want to pursue an abortion? That's a, probably a national yeah, mm-hmm. but it would be true locally. It would be true for us too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it goes both ways. Yeah, that's a, that's a. I mean, that's a profound number, <laughs> right? You know, it really, honestly, I, I've seen this even uh, across the board in other areas. If you sit down with somebody and explain to them exactly what will happen during the abortion, mm-hmm. a lot of them said, "I had no idea." Mm-hmm. If you sit down with a woman and you show her fetal development. And you tell her that, you know, I mean, I, we speak at you know little groups and stuff. Nobody ever can remember when the heartbeat starts. 
Mm. I mean, I always ask that question. Do you know? And mm. so many people do not know. They do not know fetal development. They do not know that as soon as conception occurs, your DNA is already formulated, whether you're mm. going to have dark hair or blonde hair or blue eyes or green eyes. And so those things matter when mm. you're sharing this with a woman. They don't know all these things and they don't know the risks, you know, the short term risks, the long term risks, the physical part, the emotional part of an abortion. Mm. And when you walk them through that in a very um, factual way, not twisting arms, uh, we're not manipulating, but we're telling her the truth, that's when the lights come on and say, oh my goodness, I had no idea. Mm, mm. And they say, I can't do that. Mm. And we never use techniques like pictures or videos or anything else like that. It's more just explanation of, hey, here's what's happening and here's how what's developing in you and where they are, they are surprised. They're not getting all that information mm-hmm. before they come to us. So isn't that funny? We, in an information age, we just assume that people <laughs> yeah. have all kinds yeah. of information. Yeah. And yet the reality is, is that, uh, again, and it's and one of the most important decisions that a woman can make. Mm-hmm. Uh, there oftentimes is, uh, again, I'm sure there are a number of women who know exactly what's going on, and, and mm-hmm. uh, but mm-hmm. but their your experience is that that's just not always the case. Mm-hmm. I, I just want to share. I had a client this past week who had an abortion last year, and she came back in pregnant again, and she had talked. The client educator talked to her about adoption, mm. and she just cried, and she said, "I did not even know. I didn't even think about that when I went to the abortion clinic. They never told me about adoption." And she was just grieving that mm. she had not picked that choice. Yeah. So we we absolutely will go through those options so you yeah, know, they amazing, can make the best. It's amazing, too, when you think about adoption. I know a number of people who are doing international adoptions because they're so difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know you're not on the adoption side of this, but mm-hmm. but are, are there things that could be done just to, mm-hmm. to streamline the adoption procedures here in America and make them less costly? I just, mm-hmm. I, I, again, and it's beautiful when people are traveling to, Africa mm-hmm. and Asia mm-hmm. and all kinds of different places mm-hmm. to, to Eastern Europe to, to mm-hmm. do these adoptions. And, and again, I, I, I applaud that. I commend it. Mm-hmm. But I just think, why, why isn't it easier to do that right. here? Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I know that's not your area of expertise, mm-hmm. but you have a, do you have a sense of why that is? I think one reason is because there's, the, there's, not, there's not enough children out mm-hmm. there that are adoptable. Mm-hmm. You know, especially babies. I know a lot of people that go through health and human services waiting for, you know, they, they want to do foster care, they want to do adoption, but, you know, usually it's it's older kids. And mm-hmm. so waiting for that time when there'll be a baby come along, they have to wait for quite some time. And so I just don't think it's being promoted. We wish, we 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 encourage it and we refer them to adoption specialists in town. Uh, we just wish it would happen more often, maybe 5% of the time. It happens. It's a very low number. Yeah. Very low. You've got, at le- I think last time I checked with Nebraska Children's Home, they had 500 families wanting a, ba- you know, wanting a child. And when you look at the statistics and how many are placing for adoption, they just, it's just, that's why. There's just it's almost that. easier for a woman to have an abortion than go through the adoption route. You know, because when I first started in this, in this whole ministry, I was, I was a typical guy who would say, well, this is a no-brainer. You just give the baby up for adoption. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the way I would say. Mm-hmm. That's, people still talk like that. But then after you talk to a woman who's gone through the adoption process, gosh, those ladies are my heroes. That's hard to do, mm-hmm. to carry a baby mm-hmm. for nine months, give birth to this baby, and then take this baby and say, I'm not equipped 
and I can't, I, I'm not prepared to take care of this child. I'm willing to give this child to someone else. That's mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Boy, that's mm-hmm. much harder to do mm-hmm. than to go in and take a pill or have a procedure and have it done. Yeah. I, I like that. They're, yeah. they're, they're heroes. Yeah. They are. Absolutely. 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 One last break, and then we're going to come back. We'll do a little shameless plug. And uh, and also just uh, talk about what what we think the what you think the future holds in terms of uh, needs and the ability to keep serving the way mm-hmm. that you've been doing that. Mm-hmm. It's a friendly fire Saturday. Uh, talking with Pat and Kim McCarthy here from the Pregnancy Center. Glad to have you along. Uh, it's the Voice of Lincoln, fourteen hundred ninety nine three, KLIN. Bringing you local voices to break down the news of the week. Friendly Fire with Stu Kurds on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499 KLIN. Welcome back. It's Friendly Fire Saturday here. Uh, Stu Kearns talking with uh, uh, Pat and Kim McCarthy and Pat and or Kim. It is that time of the program where we always do a shameless plug. So it's I say to both of you or either of you, uh, plug away. Well, I'll start since um, you know we can't do what we do without funding. And so um, we don't uh, apply for too many grants. Um, we just really trust God's people and the churches within the community and some and some corporate sponsors to help us to have the funds to do what we de- need to do. We're debt-free. We have 17 employees. Um, we, uh, we, we don't take any government funding at this point, and I don't see us doing that in the future just because, um, you know, the bottom line is we ask we ask the people that come to the pregnancy center, the young women who come there, we ask permission to share the gospel. We would never want that to stop because we know that's the power to change them. Mm-hmm. You know, ultimately, we don't. We want them to carry their baby to term, but we really want them to come to faith in Christ too. And so, mm-hmm. to, you know, building that relationship and then, and at some point in time, sharing the gospel is a big thing. So, with all that said, the pregnancy center is debt free, and it's because of, of of those who give financially, and you can do that at PregnancyCenterPartners.org. And um, or you're welcome to come by the center, take a tour, talk to me, actually see where your money's invested. Um, But once again, none of it goes to serve debt or anything else like that. It's for uh, programs and services that we offer now. Wow, that's awesome. Anything you want to add to that? I think uh, I think what people need to know is, uh, again, going back to just caring about the baby. uh, We we follow up with our clients uh, all through their pregnancy, and then we help them with diapers and formula, hopefully formula, having a hard time with that one, yeah. but diapers and clothing for two years after they have their baby. Mm-hmm. So we are, and and actually it even goes beyond. I We helped somebody four years, you know, that was with us four years ago that needed a car. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it is sticking with these women that are single moms mm-hmm. that we have helped and if they need help, even after that, we're we're going to try to do what we can. It's yeah. not just a uh, right when you're pregnant, we'll help you. It's after the two. Yeah. Um, so, and I, I just, you know, as far as Nebraska goes, I, I hope and pray that we can do better than 20 weeks. Um, that's that's really um, hard to swallow when I'm seeing all the other states have these trigger laws that have gone in. Um, and, but I always say laws matter, but it doesn't change the heart. And that's why we're here is we have people that, uh, you know, help change the laws. But we're going to be here with those girls and trying to help change their heart um, while they're changing the laws. And so yeah. we will be here to help them no matter what happens, no yeah. matter what. Yeah. I think anything that people think they have things to donate or they want to provide 
you know, any kind of material support for our clients and things like that, just call us and we can get them a needs list. Um, and I don't know if you need me to give that phone number, but yeah, uh, give four, the phone number. it's 402-483-4247, mm-hmm. 402-483-4247. That's the pregnancy center um, telephone number. And you can call us and say, Hey, what do you guys need? What's your most pressing need right now? And, um, mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, we, we give away a lot of stuff to help to equip our moms. So, sure. Yeah. Now, uh, we're just about five minutes left. The uh, I, My assumption is that uh, the future uh, for places like the Pregnancy Center, and I know there are, other, there are other organizations that do similar things, that the future for that is not is not less need, but more need. <laughs> uh, how do... How do you plan for the future? What are the what are the, some of the things that you think about when you think about five or ten years from now, and the kind of needs you're going to have, uh, the kind of things you if you had the money, why we would do this if we had the money to do even more. Uh, what's what's on that need list, that wish list as you think about the future? <laughs> you want me to go? Yeah, no, no, I just I just think we have to get better at marketing to our clients, and we have to start we have to we have to get into the mode where we're always constantly looking at what's working and what's not working. I mean, with the telephones, the phones that people cell phones people carry around, and that's where that's where our that's where our clients live. They live on their cell phones. How can we be top of mind with them? And so it's going to take some some skilled people to get us there. It's going to take fi- finances to do that. Um, but just we just want to be the first choice. And so it's going to be a constant struggle to to make sure that we're there. Um, you know, ads, Google ads, and things like that. Uh, you know, we've applied for things like this. Um, we're not always in their giving priorities, and so mm-hmm. so we get we sometimes get pushed out away from those things we have to find a different way to do those kind of things so um you know i just think it's trying to once again get the word out that we're here and that you know what we offer and the kind of services that we offer yeah yeah and get and in the schools too i don't know if you want to uh, yeah i was on that just going to say some people may not even know that we have a student group down on the unl campus we know that the college age is the highest risk mm-hmm. for abortion, mm-hmm. so we have a student-run group down there. We would like to expand that, grow that. We are in the schools. However, since COVID, it's been kind of a, uh, mm-hmm. on hold right now, but we're having presenters go into the schools and um, try to talk about things that are um, you know, different than Planned Parenthood is because they go into the schools as well. So, mm-hmm. um, so expanding those programs, we have parenting classes, uh, that our clients can go through and then they can earn things within their baby boutique. So there's lots of things. We have Spanish translator. We're trying to think outside of the box and really try to help these women all the way around. Mm-hmm. So. What about your own, uh, your own, uh, brick and mortar, place where you do the meet, meet the clients and do the counseling and so forth that is that is that sufficient for now is it something that's going to have to be expanded uh more more space more counselors those kinds of things or, or are you kind of wait and see about that you know we we, we moved to where we're at where we're at um at 111 piazza terrace it's right across the street from um cheddar's off of o street behind subway but it's a really good spot that we got um, it's a, it's quite a, quite a bit of square feet. And so we have, you know, but there's always going to be maintenance to be done on that. You know, and I think at some point in time, maybe, you know, we have an office down on the university campus, as Kim had mentioned, but you know, maybe as the city starts to grow and I'm seeing it grow mm-hmm. out in different areas, maybe we need to have a satellite center mm-hmm. somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. I would love that. Yeah. Yes. That would be great. Yes. Two, uh, two minutes left for each of you. 
you could be doing a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. You could be you could be doing a lot of different things, but at some point you said, you know, this is what I need to do. What what gets you up in the morning to say this is what I'm supposed to do? Mm-hmm. Uh fighting for the most vulnerable amongst us. Those babies do not have a a voice. They don't have a choice in this. And it grieves my heart when I've seen that we've 63 million babies have been aborted where they didn't even have a chance. That's what gets me up every day. Mm, Thank you. And for, for, it's probably the the same for me coming into the pregnancy center is, you know, there's a lot of great ministries out there that do a lot of great work Mm -hmm. and, we support everything they're doing. Um, but this ministry is set apart just because it really is every time we meet with um, someone, meet with a young woman down at the pregnancy center, it's a matter of life and death. This person's going to choose whether or not another person is going to live or die. And, you know, and it hits me even harder on Tuesdays when I ride, come to work, if I ride past the abortion center here in, in Lincoln, that people will actually die in there today. You can you can count on it. Where where most of the time we can't ever predict when somebody's going to live or die. But this is an area where people are going to die, and mm-hmm. so um, that to me, I can't think of anything more important than that. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I I'm so grateful that you came in today to, well, to again you. share your personal stories and the, and the ministry that you're about. And again, I think it's uh, churches we need to step up if we say we're pro-life. You know, in the Old Testament, uh, God says over and over and over again, He's with the He is uh, the defender of the widow, the orphan, and the alien, and that's the and uh, and if we aren't, in other words, the most vulnerable in society, mm-hmm. and that's the Christian's duty is to be uh, those who are uh, a voice for those who can't defend themselves, and so uh, we're very very grateful for the work that you do. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you so Thank much. You. Uh, I leave you today, saying as I always do, to think about it and talk about it. We'll see you next week. 